We want to get you to join us in welcoming everyone that's tuning in on Facebook Live and everyone by radio that will be listening and uh, on the internet. Come on, just give them a big welcome. We welcome you this morning to Christian Embassy. And if you are in Hampton Roads, please come visit with us. We'd love to give you a big hug and a handshake and get to know you. If you've got your phones or tablets, you have my my uh, blessings to go ahead and check in, let people uh, know that you're at Christian Embassy. By you doing that, you also uh, get others engaged and maybe they'll tune in and they'll get this life-changing message. So you can pull it out and check in. This isn't the theater where they're going to uh, have the police come drag you out if you're on your phone. You can jump on there and go ahead and let the world know out there that there is a life-saving word that is going forth that can literally change their lives. As we continue in this series of our covenant keepers, uh, we're going to be moving from flesh to spirit today. And um, I I pray God would use me to help you, uh, as He's helped me, walk into the fullness of the covenant that God has given to us. What an amazing covenant it is. In Deuteronomy 7 and 9 and Psalms 105 and 8, God says, I I am a covenant God and I keep covenant for a thousand generations. So God's basically saying, I'm a God of covenant and you'll never ever have a record where I break covenant. I will keep my end of the deal. Praise God. And then in Hebrews chapter 7 and Hebrews chapter 8, he tells us that the covenant that you and I have, I'm telling you what, you need to go ahead and pat yourself on the back and say, you, got a good, you chose a good time to live. Amen. Praise the Lord, because the covenant that he has given to us, the New Testament covenant, he says Jesus built it on better promises. And it is a better covenant. And it is mediated by a better high priest, Jesus Christ himself. Signed and sealed and delivered with better blood, he says. Not the blood of animals, but the blood of the Son of God, the sinless Son of God. It is a covenant like no other covenant. Don't you be jealous of David in his covenant. Don't you be jealous of Abraham in his covenant. Don't you be jealous of Noah in his covenant. Don't you be jealous of Adam in his covenant. I'm telling you the covenant that we have in and through Jesus Christ is the best there will ever be. Hallelujah. And God is a covenant keeper. So the question is, are you? Are you a covenant keeper? And I believe the Lord wants to use us to help you understand your position in the covenant and what your place is in fulfilling your end. I so appreciate the fact that God is a covenant God and He has made covenant the backbone of the biblical story. From Genesis to the book of Revelation, we've got the story of God and His redemptive act all given to us in and through covenant. And let me tell you what, the covenant of God will take better care of you than you could ever take of yourself. The covenant of God is better than even what your mama has planned for you. You know, your mama, your mama loves you like nobody else. Anybody in here say amen. There's no, no law like mama's love. But God's covenant is better than even mama's love. This great covenant that he has given us in and through his son, Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, there are two forces that are trying to keep you out of covenant. There's one force, that's the devil. We don't like the devil, do we? And we're not afraid of the devil here at Christian Embassy. We know that Jesus has given us authority over all the power of the enemy, and he by no means shall hurt us. So we don't run from the devil. We make the devil run from us. We don't get up in the morning and say, oh, where's the devil? We get up in the morning and the, Lord, and the devil says, oh, where are they at? He wants to go on the other side of the street. 
because you know who you are and the authority you have in Christ Jesus. So we know the devil wants to keep us out of the blessings of God's covenant. The devil wants to keep us out of the provision of God's covenant and we can identify him. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. We understand that. But let me tell you what. There's another force that is trying to keep you out of the covenant and it's one you have direct relationship with. It is one that you have direct control over and that's the thing called the flesh. That flesh, I'm telling you, it will cause you to walk out of covenant rather than in covenant. See, we were created originally in the uh, image of God. God is triune and He created us in triune. We see that one of those areas of our life is that we are body, soul, and spirit. And the body side is the vehicle that we're traveling through the number of years we're here on this earth. Our soul is our mind, our memories, our, our, our senses, and, and, uh, and our mindset. That is our soulish realm. And then there is the spirit realm. Now guess what? When God created Adam and Eve's body, soul, and spirit, He told them if they violated the covenant that they would surely die. Satan comes in and says, if you eat of this forbidden fruit, you will not die. Well, Satan was saying, your body's not going to drop dead. So he was twisting the truth a little. But what God said would die was our spirit man. So when they violated uh, God's law and we see they died that day and they were uh, cast out of the garden, the, they were still physically alive. Their soulish realm was still alive, but their spirit was cut off. But God said, I'm not going to leave it this way. And he comes in with covenant and promises. He always builds his covenant on promises. And he made a promise to the devil. And I love that promise. He says, he says I am going to send what's called the proto-evangelicum. He said, basically, my son's coming and he's going to right the wrong. He's going to reconnect the disconnect. Hallelujah. And he says, you can watch, you can watch and see. He's going to do it. And, uh, and God did. He did. So when we are born again through Christ, we are, the Bible says we uh, are a new creature in Christ Jesus, a new creation. All the old has passed away and all has become new. Well, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, the, the mole I had, I still had. So there was things on my body that they just didn't change. And, and the mindset that I had and the memories that I had was not erased. I still had those. But there was something new. Hallelujah. My spirit man that was dead in sin was resurrected and made anew. And now I became alive and connected and reconciled to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So what has to happen is an about-face turn, a metanoia, a repentance, where we've been following the flesh and letting the flesh lead the way. We now have to make the decision, we're going to let the Spirit lead the way. And that's why we see in Galatians 5, 16 and, uh, 16 and following, he says, I say then, you must walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So the only way to quit fulfilling the lust of the flesh and the things of its limitation is to turn and start walking in the Spirit. Now the soul man is in the middle. Your mind has to be renewed so there's a, a continual being saved that takes place in our soulish realm. And we know the glorification of our bodies coming. Even if we die, the dead in Christ shall rise first at the rapture call of God and our bodies will be reunited with our spirit man. So we know there's, but there's a glory. He said they will be glorified. So there's still a salvation that needs to take place of these uh, fallible bodies that we have 
uh, our mind is being renewed, so there's a, a being saved, but our spirit man is saved and has everything available to us that Jesus has made. So if we'll start letting the spirit lead, we can start pulling on all of the provision of the redemption and everything that is in the atonement that is already ours, we start walking into it, whereas the flesh will cause you to walk away from it. So as we walk in the Spirit, God said that which is of Spirit is Spirit. And He says, I sent My Word and I gave My Word and My Word gave Spirit and Spirit is life. So we know that to walk in the Spirit, we got two things we got to focus on. First, we got to focus on the Word of God. Because the Word of God is Spirit and life. And they who walk in it, walk in Spirit and life. So to walk in the Spirit, we got to walk by what the Word says rather than what our eyes see. we got to go by what God said. So we walk by faith and not by sight. So if God says it, even if we don't feel it, it's more true than what we feel. If God says it and it seems impossible, even though the laws of the land says it's impossible, it is possible because God is a supernatural God. Hallelujah. If He needs a moon, He creates it. If He needs a sun, He creates it. If He needs a galaxy, He creates it. So there's no limit to God. So we've got to learn to walk by what His Word says. And if He says, by my stripes you were healed, you've got to say, wait a minute, I may be still sick in my body, but I'm turning this thing around and I'm going to walk into my healing. I'm going to take what God's Word says over what I'm going through. I'm not denying what I'm going through, but I'm going another route. I'm not going to walk according to the flesh. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. And this is what the Word says. If the Word says I'm blessed, then even if I feel cursed, I'm going to turn and start walking into my blessing by faith. Amen? Amen. So we walk in the Spirit by the Word and by the Holy Spirit. So we've got, and you know what? The devil fights churches to get the Word of God out of the church and to get the Holy Spirit out of the church. He don't care if you sing songs. He don't care if you come in and do your hour, your hour and a half. He doesn't care if you have a bulletin. He doesn't care if you, you know, or that way. But long as you don't have the Word or the Spirit, because he knows you're not, your flesh is going to be leading when you go through the week rather than being strengthened to walk in the Spirit. So we got to learn to walk in the Spirit and not by the flesh. You know, your spirit man has, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit, that which is of spirit is born of spirit. So the Holy Spirit is who has given you new life. And the Holy Spirit has a language. He talks to your spirit. And you say, well, my mind don't understand. Your mind's still confused, okay? Your mind's still over here. Well, I was listening to the flesh, and I was going by what I see, and I was talking about what I feel, and I was looking at the danger that was up ahead, and it looked like the economy was going down, so I was going to lose everything. So I've been speaking about losing everything, and I've been afraid, and I've been worried. I've been, that soulish man, let me tell you, he goes, he's done a lot of his years by the flesh side, so God says, I need to build up the Spirit and keep the Spirit moving, so I've got my own language. It's a pure language. The prophet said in the last days there would be a restoration of a pure language, that pure language. What is a pure language? We know it's not Hebrew. We know it's not Aramaic. We know it's not Greek, uh, because all those have some curse words in it and stuff. There was a language that God spoke to Adam and Eve every day in the cool of the eve with, that was before sin. And I believe that as God spoke to them directly, there is, that is that pure language that will be restored because for it to be restored means it once was. So the prophet, I believe, was talking about the day of Pentecost when the church was going to be birthed. Jesus says, I'm going to my father after his resurrection. He said, but I'm going to build a church 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church. This church is going to have power. This church is going to violate the laws of the land. This church is going to bring the usher in the miracles of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. He says, but I need you to tarry in Jerusalem until you've been endued from on high with this power. You don't have the power, but you can connect to the power. So on the day of Pentecost, you remember, Peter, who was cowardly, who was denying he knew the Lord, is now emboldened by the Spirit of God, and he preaches uh, under the Spirit's power, and 3,000 are saved that day. The church is birthed, and the Bible says there's been an increase of the church every day until this day. Thousands of years later, the church is still growing. The kingdom of darkness is, at, is, is running in terror where the true church is arising. Hallelujah. But it had to be birthed by the Spirit of God. So for us to walk in the Spirit, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to embrace the Holy Spirit. And we need to communicate with the Holy Spirit and let Him communicate with us. And God has given a prayer language that He can... It starts for many people. All of us, you know, languages start very, uh, you might would say, uh, small and immature. But like all languages grow, your spirit can learn to, to speak. And your mind, the Bible says it's not for your mind to comprehend. It's spirit to spirit. But now spirit is leading. So Spirit is getting instruction from the Holy Spirit and He's leading so you can trust where your Spirit's leading you rather than walking according to the flesh. So He says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary to one another so that, they not do, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now He says the works of the law are evident and look at what they are. If you walk according to the flesh, look at what's going to be there. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy. Don't you feel like you need to take a bath? Murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand. Paul says, I'm reminding you of this over and over. It's so important. I've told you of this in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to walk in the covenant uh, inheritance that you have that is already yours. In order for an inheritance to be transferred, there has to be a death. And Jesus died on the cross. Yes, He's alive, but He died and made it legal for you to get your inheritance now. Hallelujah. But Paul says you will not walk in the inheritance if you're walking according to the flesh. You've got to walk in the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with His passions and desires. So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. See, God wants you to have a blessed life. I'm telling you more than your mama, more than your daddy, more than your best friend. God wants you to have a blessed life. And He wants you to walk in your inheritance privileges now. So this is an inheritance message. This is a kingdom message. See, we're not supposed to be the tail. We're supposed to be the head. You weren't meant to be the borrower. You're supposed to be the lender. We're supposed to be above only and not beneath. That's what the Word of God says. Bless coming in and bless going out. And anywhere I go, bless in the name of Jesus. And the reason why, come on now, the reason why is the blessing is not something that's out there somewhere. The blessing by the covenant uh, dictate is in and on your life. 
it is in and on your life. That's how you can be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. That's how you can be blessed coming in and blessed going out. You say, how in the world can I be blessed in all of those places? Because the blessing is not on the place. The blessing is on you. That's why you don't have to get to that place one day to finally get blessed. Oh, if I work for that company, I'll get blessed. Oh, no, that company will get blessed when you work for it. Hallelujah. Some people say, you know, I'd really be blessed to live in that community. You ever ride through neighborhoods and just look and say, you know what, what a blessing it would be to live in this community. No, 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 that community gets blessed the day your truck moves in and unloads stuff because the blessing is on you. Hallelujah. You serve a covenant God. I want you to see that. He has established covenant for us. He has cut this covenant, sealed it with his own blood, and he's a covenant keeper. Hallelujah. He has, he's done everything necessary to make it even legal for you to have this covenant. In Galatians 3 and 13, look at this scripture here. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is he or everyone who hangs on a tree. Let me tell you what. We were born dead in sin. For the wages of sin is what? Death. All have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. We were born in sin, short of the glory of God, born death. The wages of sin, death. Our spirit man was dead. We were outside of the covenant. There was no way we could ever work hard enough. The Old Testament shows us that. Or keep the law good enough. The Old Testament shows us that. Nothing we could ever do. No goodness of our own could earn. No money could buy the covenant of God. But let me tell you what, Jesus stepped in. Where we were weak, He is strong. Hallelujah. And in our weakness, He stepped in. And Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. See, we were born in sin, so the curse was on us. So Jesus said, i got to come be born on this earth and, and make myself the sacrifice so that I can pay the debt that they cannot pay. See, you and I, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. We owed a debt we couldn't pay, and there was no bankruptcy law in the world going to get us out of this one. I'm telling you what, but there was a love of God that would get us out of this one. So Jesus says, I can't go in as a, a born of a man, the seed of man, because the Adamic nature is passed through the seed of man, so I would be born an infant under the sin nature and disqualify. And they said, so here's how we're going to work this. We're going to take a virgin, supernatural. See, when you work with God, you're not limited in the natural realm. See, God created the natural realm, and if he created it, he can violate it. Hallelujah. So he violates the natural realm and does something supernatural, and a virgin is pregnant with the Son of God without a man. So the Adamic nature is not going to be in this man. But this man has to live enough years, according to the law, to prove himself sinless. So Jesus had to live the full 33 and a half years without sin, tempted in every area we're tempted, but without sin, so that he would be a qualified sacrifice. But the sacrifice, in order for it to, to pay for our sins, Jesus' blood was pure and would do that. But God says, I don't want them to wait till they get to heaven to have the covenant blessings. I want them blessed on the earth. So we got to get this curse off of them. So the only way to get this curse off of them is you've got to take this curse on you. Now, Jesus, you can't take this curse through sin because that disqualifies you from paying for their sin. So how are we going to get this curse? You, like you're going to fool God. God says, Deuteronomy 21, 23, I said it in the law. I got a loophole in the law that anyone who dies on a tree, 
Anyone who hangs on that tree, a curse comes on him. So Jesus, son, when you go there, they're going to try to stone you. They're going to try to throw you off a cliff. They're going to try to beat you to death at the whipping post. They're going to try to beat you with their fists when you're blindfolded and kick you in your ribs and try to do everything they can to kill you. They're going to try. And everything they try, you can't die. You can't die. you got to die on a tree. Because if you die on a tree, the curse comes off of them and on you so that they can enter into the covenant now. So you can imagine that the willpower it took when Jesus, you remember when he first started, they tried to throw him off of a cliff and he had to, he had to maneuver and get out of there. They tried to stone him. They tried to have riots against him. Everything they would do, he would get out of the way. He would get out of the way. He would back down. He would find a way out. Even on that post when they're ripping his skin and muscle off of his rib cage and exposing probably portions of his lungs hanging out because of the uh, brutality of that, uh, of that act that they did. He was breathing and he says, you got to keep it together. you got to keep breathing. you got to keep breathing. When they blindfolded him and they were punching him and kicking him, he said, you got to keep it together. He may have gone out for a minute or two, but he'd pull himself back. And then when he's trying to drag that tree up that hill and his body is not even able, God provided someone to carry it for him. But I'm telling you, when they got to the top of that hill, they didn't have to fight for his hands and fight for his feet to nail him there because he said, nobody's taking my life. I'm giving my life. And this is what I've come for. I got to get up on this tree because I got some folks at Christian Embassy in 2018 who I want to enjoy the covenant blessing, who can walk in the covenant power, who can pull heaven to earth. I want them to experience it now. Hampton Roads needs a church like that. Virginia needs a church like that. North Carolina needs a church like that. The world needs a church like that. He says, so go ahead and put the nails in there. Hang me up on this tree because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why did he do that? Look at verse 14. He says, that the blessing of Abraham, that's covenant, that's covenant, might come upon even the Gentiles. Bring them into the covenant. Hallelujah. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. So the billion dollar or the trillion billion dollar question is, are you a covenant keeper? If Jesus did all of this to cut covenant with you so that you could enjoy some heaven on earth even now and that you could be light and darkness and salt in this earth, are you a covenant keeper? Galatians 4 and 1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from the slave, though he is master of all. So what he's saying here is you are rightful heirs of the covenant. It's yours. These are your covenant promises. But if you're still acting like a child, you're no different than the slave because the inheritance is now in a trust and <coughs> you have to have a guardian because you're not, you're not acting mature enough. I'm here to help us grow up. I'm here to help us get our eyes off of whining and complaining and, and fault finding and looking at the things of the flesh. Man, you need a shower when you deal with the things of the flesh and get ourselves walking and talking according to what the Spirit of God says and the Word of God says. That, that I pray that we would uh, mature so that, as Paul said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I pray that we would choose to put away the childish things that come through the flesh and choose this day to start walking in the Spirit. Hallelujah. 
And one of those, I believe, one of the keys to that is when you understand body, soul, and spirit. When you get an understanding of that, that your, that your body will be saved, that your soul is being saved, your mind is being renewed by the Word of God, but your spirit is already saved. And when you let the Spirit be led by the Holy Spirit, you begin to walk into the supernatural realm, even in the natural earth that you live in, but if you let the body keep leading, it's the appetites of the flesh and the lusts of the flesh are going to keep you outside of the covenant. Like Paul says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, I love it that God did not leave us messed up. Some people say, well, I'm just messed up. Let me tell you what, God, doesn't, He's never left us in a messed up place. He's always offered a way up and a way out. And He does that through covenant. And all of his covenants are built upon promises. And God said in Genesis 1.28, it began in the very beginning where he says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Said God blessed them. Come on, say, he blessed us. Say it. He blessed us. When God created us in the beginning, he's speaking his, his original intent for us. And that is what? For us to be blessed. He blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He wants you to exercise dominion. So if there is a virus that is alive, if there is some type of cell that is out of order that is alive, any living creature, anything that is alive, anything has to come under the dominion if it moves on this earth. He wants you to exercise that. That is God's will for you. And he has given us that authority in and through the covenant. I love the covenant that God set with Abraham. And the reason I'm looking at its uh, details are because in Galatians 3 and 13 and 14, he says that we might, verse 14, that we might receive the blessing of Abraham, talking about the blessings that come through the covenant that uh, he set there. And you read, my, what beautiful uh, blessings he wants for us. Let's go all the way back to Genesis 12, a couple of verses there, and let us look at some of the uh, details of how that all came about because I believe they speak to us today. I chose an image of uh, someone worshiping the moon here because, you know, Terah, uh, Abram's father and his father, they were moon worshipers. Uh, it's amazing. The God who created the moon came to a moon worshiper and said, you're worshiping the thing I created. I want you to worship me. And the good news is, is Abram believed God and began to follow God. So in Galatians 12, I mean Genesis 12, he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get up out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So God says, I, I've got a covenant for you. And he goes on later and talks about uh, some of the details of the covenant. He says, but you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith in me. I'll show it to you. So that means we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. So he's telling him, I'll expose your life to bigger and grander things, but you've got to come out of these three areas uh, and follow me. And I believe those are three areas we need to deal with this morning as well. Looking on, he says uh, in verse uh, 2, I will make you a great nation. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. 
and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families, all the families, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's why Galatians 3.14 says the blessing of Abraham comes upon us when we enter into the covenant, the better covenant that Jesus Christ has given to us. It's to fulfill this covenant of Abraham where he said, I will bless all the families of the earth. They shall be blessed. Hallelujah. Now, how can I bless the whole earth if I can't make my refrigerator payment? And how can I bless the whole earth if I can't gain victory over my emotions? How can I bless the whole earth if someone cuts me off on the own ramp and I lose my joy and, and throw a temper tantrum or even run them down, blowing the horn, giving them a, a wave that is not of God? You know, that's the flesh. That's the flesh that's leading you out of the covenant. Galatians 3 and 1 through 13, he tells us that we've got to believe and receive by faith all the promises that were made to Abraham. By faith, we are the seed of Abraham. So we've got to start turning this thing and start walking by faith and not by what we see or experience here on this earth. Hallelujah. And then the blessing of Abraham not only falls on us, but the blessing of Abraham falls on all the families of the earth that we are, are touching and shining the light of God's love with. So God's word to Christian embassy, I believe, and the whole body of Christ is, I will bless you. Thank you, Lord. And I will make your name great. Thank you, Lord. See, God wants the world to depend on the church. He wants to make our name great. Not my name, but the name of His church, the name of God that is represented here on earth. God wants mayors and governors and presidents to consult with ministers and, and spiritual uh, Christian leaders for answers in the world that we have. See, see, fame didn't originate in Hollywood. Fame originated with God. Okay? And why does God want to give fame? Because, believe it or not, fame gives your word legitimacy even though you've never done anything. Think about it. If you don't believe me, the world will go to someone famous and ask them what do they think about Syria and they didn't finish the fourth grade. But because they've got some ratings and they've got some following, they want to know what is your opinion, what do you say? And that's why we get some outrageous opinions being uh, promoted on the networks from famous people who don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. Everybody wants to know your opinion and, and what's your clue. And you may be clueless just because you're famous. Well, God says, I will make your name great. Part of the covenant is there is an elevation that, that he would cause the church. You say, oh, I think the church should be humble. And yes, we should be humble. But humble does not mean not standing up in your role of what God's created you. Humble is knowing that God is the one doing this, that God gets the glory, that God is to receive all the praise. But I've got to step up. I've got to be a David and kill a, a, a Goliath. I've got to be a Samson and I've got to tear the uh, gates of the city down. I've got to be a Gideon and I've got to lead an army. Come on now. We've, we've got to rise up to our calling that God has for us. And I believe God wants to make the church famous in the earth so that the people will want to hear what is the word of the Lord? What is God saying to America? What is God saying to the, the world that we live in? God said, I'll make your name great and I will bless those who bless you. Did you know the greatest thing you could ever do is find someone who's blessed and bless them? You say, ah, the flesh says they're already blessed. I'm jealous of them. That's, a, that's a, your fruit of the, the, the flesh, right? Jealousy. 
I'm jealous and they're already blessed. I love to hear some bad news on them. I want to throw some dirt around. I want to get into some gossip. Makes them, brings them down a notch or two, you know? Let me tell you what. That's the worst thing you could ever do. The best thing you could ever do is find someone who's blessed and bless them because whatever hits them bounces off and comes right back to you. He said, I will bless those who bless you. But he also said, I will curse those who curse you. So the worst thing you could ever do is see someone blessed and roll your eyes and pass notes and begin to talk about them because that, that curse that you're starting, let me tell you what, going to bounce right off of them and come back on you. Come back on you. you got to stop letting the flesh. The flesh will lead you off the cliff. The flesh will lead you in the pit of hell. Paul said the flesh will keep you from the inheritance that Jesus Christ has for you in this great covenant. So you got to get that stuff out of your mind. I'm here to tell you religion can't help you and tradition can't help you and form can't help you. It's the word of the Lord that endures to all generations. I am so tired of seeing people wrestle with words written in the Bible. Let me tell you what. What we're going to learn here at Christian Embassy, you know, I, I don't teach out a religious manual. I don't teach out of a church handbook. We got the Bible. I still believe in the B-I-B-L-E. I still believe it is a holy, inspired, inerrant word of God. And I believe that I am what it says I am. And I believe I can do what it says I can do. And I believe I can have what it says I can have. And I believe I'm becoming what it says I'm becoming. And the devil is a liar. The devil, if he tries, and anything else that tries to make me doubt the word of God is a liar. See, I'm going to use uh, the Bible to pull down the strongholds in this house. I'm going to use the Bible to pull down the strongholds in my house. I'm going to use the Bible to bring godly change to Hampton Roads. I'm not backing off of the Spirit and the Word of God. Uh, I'm going to identify every religious devil I can, and I'm going to preach until I run them slam out of the region. Uh, I didn't go out into the Bermuda Triangle, go out there in the ocean and, and drown uh, like those did in those pigs when Jesus cast them into the pigs. See, I'm ready to see the church of the Lord Jesus Christ rise up in Hampton Roads and, and us to become the children of God, walking in our inheritance, walking in our covenant power and our covenant privilege and our covenant uh, uh, authority like God would have us to do because we are mighty warriors. We are overcomers. We are victorious. We're more than conquerors, the covenant says. Hallelujah. And I'm tired of trying to beg people to believe something. Oh, believe the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. So I'm not here to preach cliches and I'm not here to just come up here with cute little sayings. I want to preach the Bible. It's a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword. It can pierce into the very meat and grit and, 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 and tendon and bone of it all. And I'm telling you, bring truth where truth is needed. Hallelujah. And if you can't live by it, you can't live by anything because you've got the Holy Spirit of God to empower you to live by the Word of God. So either you believe it or you throw it out the door. Either it's true or it's not. That's where you need to get. That's what Billy Graham said. He said, I wrestled with preaching. I wrestled with preaching. He says, I, I, I'm like, do I believe this? Do I believe this? Should I preach this? Do I have confidence to preach this? And he said, the day came, I went out in the woods. And he said, there was a stump there and I took the Bible, I opened it up and I laid it on that stump. And I stood there and he says, I choose from this day forward to believe this is the holy divine word of God. I will not doubt it. I will not back off of it. I will believe it no matter if I see it or not. I believe the word over what I see. And he said, from that moment on, God began to open the doors and he began to reach the world for Jesus Christ. He said, everything changed when it changed in him. So either it's true or it's not. See, we don't skip pages of the Bible in this church. 
You may have come from a background that says, oh, we don't, we don't deal with that page. Oh, flip over real quick. Oh, we don't deal with that chapter. Oh, we don't deal with that book. We've got to take that whole book out. You know, and there's not a, a, a note or an underline in that book or that chapter. Let me tell you what. We don't skip pages here. We're not going to skip pages here because the power of God that we need in every area of our life comes from the Word of God. And if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we've got to believe the Word. We've got to take the Word. We've got to honor the Word. And we've got to stand on the Word. Hallelujah. I've got to preach and know that it's freely being received. And I pray you're receiving the Word of God in this house. Because if I'm not preaching the Word of God, throw it out in the parking lot. But if it is the Word of God, then it's for you. And it's for your family. And it's time for us to take it and stand on it. This is the covenant of God. This is the promise of God. And we're going to walk in it no matter what. It doesn't matter where you come from or what you've been through or what your last name is. It doesn't matter if everybody's against you and, you know, and everybody has turned their back on you. Let me tell you what. I'm telling you God is for you. And God is trying to get something to us. God is so trying to get us to see covenant and how to by the Spirit walk in the fullness of the covenant and bring the soul and the flesh to enjoy the benefits of the covenant. See, I'm tired of seeing folks come in last. Last in the polls and last in finances and last in areas of influence and last in promotion. That's God's people. We're God's people. That is not how it should be. And I declare by the Word of God in the name of Jesus that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will arise. Arise as a glorious church. Arise as a church without spot or wrinkle. Arise to be the head and not the tail. Arise to be above only and not beneath. Arise as oaks of righteousness, a planting of God for the display of His glory, for a display of His splendor that the world will see the glory of God displayed on His church. Hallelujah. Dear God, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. So God says, i got to get this thing back right since Adam messed it up. <laughs> See, every time God brings a cure to a problem, whether it's the fall of man or Adam's sin or broken finances, whatever it is, he starts with a promise. So he said in Genesis 3.14, look at that, 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 the scripture there. So the Lord said to the serpent, he's making a promise, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat the dust uh, all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. God is saying, devil, I'm going to make women really hate you. <laughs> Woo, devil, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. And between your seed and her seed, you shall bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Hallelujah. Here God's making a prophecy about His Son. And God said the problem will come, the promise will come from the seed of a woman. Now there's a problem in the natural there because women don't have seed. She has an egg and the man provides the seed. But God was saying this is not going to be the seed of a natural man who carries the sin nature or the curse. It will be supernatural. So what God was saying that there's going to be one woman who will have a seed even though she's never been with a man and this woman's going to be this young unwed and she's going to be a virgin and get pregnant and she will be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and she will give birth to one who will crush the head of the devil. Hallelujah. And when this seed comes forth, he says, you Satan, 
You may nibble at his heel for three days. He's died on the cross, been buried in a tomb. But guess what? He's coming out crushing your head. And your kingdom's going to lose power. And I'm going to release power for my kingdom. And through covenant that he's going to cut with those that will place their faith in him, my son Jesus, he says it's going to be a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Praise God. But I think there's just a spillover here that this enmity between this woman was not just limited to Mary. I believe it's in all women. And I wish we men could catch some of this. There's just something about a woman. I mean, she will get much more aggressive with the devil than a man will, okay? If she sees a fever come over her children, the husband says, where's the aspirin? Where's the aspirin? But mama says, come walking in. And she says, wait a minute. Let me get my hands on boo-boo. And right now, and I'm going to cast out that devil in the name of Jesus. And that, fear, that fever is going to cool as I call on the name that is above all names. There's just something about a mama who sees her offspring going astray. You see, ladies, it's your offspring that's supposed to crush the head of the enemy. So when your kids are going off astray, you know something's out of order. Every baby you birth, every daughter you birth, every son you birth was meant to come out of your womb to be a part of crushing the devil's head generation after generation. And let me tell you what, there's just something about a way a woman prays. There's just something about a way a woman praises God. There's just something about a way a woman worships. She breaks her alabaster box. Read the scripture. No man broke his alabaster box or broke. But there she is breaking a year's worth of ways. It doesn't matter. This is worship that I ascribe unto my Lord and my Savior. There's just something about a woman's faith that she will not be told no. She will not be told no. And I'm ready to see the seed, the sons and the daughters of these women. I'm ready to see, especially these sons, rise up and crush the head of Satan. God told Satan that he was going to make women hate him. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let her seed hate him as well. And that's all of us. Praise God. Now let's get back. Boy, y'all sped up the clock here. Okay. When God wants to get something to us to fix something, He gives a promise. But secondly, He looks for a family line. He usually doesn't just rain it down. He does it through us. He works it through us. So He looks for a family line. Everything He does, He works through a person or a, or a household. So God here is calling Abram. And when He went to Abram, Abram was not a Jew. Now, He was one of three sons that worshipped the moon. But he heard the voice of Yahweh and Moses left what he knew. I mean, Noah, uh, uh, Abram left everything that he knew to follow the voice of Yahweh into what he could not see. And God accounted that unto him as faith and said, You're, I'm going I'm to do this with you. So God came to Abram and told him that you need to get out of what you're in because I want to make a nation of you. So like I said, he was not a Jew. Uh, until you know, all the Jewish people came out of Abram, but at this time he wasn't a Jew, until the eighth day with circumcision. And God chose circumcision to be the sign of cutting covenant with Abram. And he became Abraham. So with this circumcision, what is circumcision? A cutting away of the flesh. 
So cutting, so God uses that as a sign in order to enter into covenant and all of its provisions and promises. We've got to, we can't let the flesh lead us. We've got to let the spirit lead us. And he even uses this in this illustration. And by covenant, God took something was, that was not and made something that was. So you may say, well, I can't see it. I'm telling you, the covenant God has for you, it's already done. It's already done. He doesn't have to create it and make it. He just needs you to believe him and begin to walk in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So here's what he said you got to come out of. Genesis 12, he told him, you got to leave your country. He says, you got to come up out of your country. You got to leave your country. So the first thing you got to do to move into the greatness that God has for you is you got to come up out of your country. Now that doesn't mean you got to leave America or leave wherever you were born. He, this here is a, a Hebrew word that is equivalent to the Greek word ethnos, eretz and ethnos. Now ethnos means ethnicity, and, and it's not you've got to leave your ethnicity, but the labels of limitation that society has placed on you because of your ethnicity. See, society labels your cultural distinction. Then they will tell you what every culture is good at and what every culture is bad at. They wanted to decide your weak areas and write that off and say you can never do that. That's not so with God. See, society will group you and say Asians are good at this, but Asians are not good at that. Society will try and group you and say Latinos are good at this, but Latinos are not good at that. Europeans are good at this, but these Caucasians are not good at that. African Americans are good at this, and African Americans are not good at that. But here's what God told Abram. He says, I want you to be great. And for you to walk into the greatness I have for you, you've got to come out from that ethnos. You cannot let the labels that society has placed on you telling you that because of your, ethnicist, uh, your, your ethnos that this is what you can do and what you cannot do. God says all of that is erased. There is no limitation with you. Your color of your skin has nothing to do with it. The upbringing you had has nothing to do with it. If I say you're going to be great, you're going to be great. If I say you're going to be the head, not the tail, you're going to be the head and not the tail. If I say you're going to walk in the miracle divine power, then you're going to walk in the divine miracle power. If I say you're going to push back the gates of hell. It don't matter what color your skin is. You're going to push back the gates of hell. you got to come out of those limitations. you got to come out of what society has tried to put a lid on you and say it don't work. It don't work with God. It don't work with my covenant. Hallelujah! For I am of the Lord and He is mine. Praise God. Come out of your country, He said. Secondly, He said you got to come out of your family. Come out of your family. And he didn't mean family unit. We know that Terah went with him. We know his nephew Lot went with him. So, so that's not what he was talking about. Come out of your family. Not the family unit, but that class that the society sees you as. You know that, you know, he told Abraham, you got to come out of the limitations of your ethnicity, but you also got to come out of the limitations of your class. That the world has put a class a label on you. You know what? And if I, I better never hear you call yourself lower class. I'll come up on you like a bunion. I'm telling you what. Don't you ever. Don't you ever. Well, I'm just born on the wrong side of the tracks. Oh, you know, my, my name is such and such. And we just a bunch of non-low low class. I'll come up on you like a bunion like you never wanted. No siree. 
I'm talking to some covenant men and women of God. It don't matter what your last name is. It don't matter if everybody above you is in prison for killing people. That don't mean you're a murderer. It may be all above you. They've failed and never uh, ever achieved anything. But that's not going to limit you. We're talking about God. We're talking about a great covenant. We're talking about the Spirit of God. We're talking about what Jesus has provided for you. Hallelujah. God said, I've got something great for you. Hallelujah. So the third thing he said you got to come up out of is your father's house. Your father's house. Now again, he's not talking about his father because Terah went with him. But he's talking about those generational curses of your bloodline. you got to come out of those generational curses. I mean, if that bloodline's been cursed with never finishing school, if that bloodline's been cursed with never holding down a job, if that bloodline's been cursed with never sticking to anything, if that bloodline's been cursed with every marriage going down the tubes, if that bloodline's been cursed with generational weaknesses causing sickness and disease, I'm telling you, the world looks at it. You go and you go to a doctor and they got to get your medical history of your family because they're looking at it because they know in the natural it has an effect on you if there's a weakness of, uh, of the pancreas and the generation before you there'll probably be a weakness in your pancreas if there's a weakness in the breaking down of the heart there's going to be a weakness in a breaking down of the heart they, they look at these because they do pass down generationally but God says I'm not denying that you had a father's house I'm not denying that you, you were born with a generational curse in your bloodline I'm just telling you to choose to come out of it I'm telling you to come out of it hallelujah to break those things off in the name of Jesus praise the God so God has made a way for us to be freed from generational curses. Hallelujah. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's where we got to get to. I am crucified with Christ. I, have, I find my identity in what He did on the cross. And what He did on the cross, He took the curse off of me. He took the curse off of me. What did He do on the cross? He took the, cross off, uh, the curse off of me. So that what? The blessing could come on me. So the blessing is on me. I'm receiving the blessing, but I'm not receiving the curse anymore. I'm not walking in the curse. I'm telling you what. I'm no longer, it's no longer my ethnicity. It's no longer society's classification. It's no longer generational weaknesses. It's Christ who lives in me. It's the anointing that lives in me hallelujah so now my only limitation are the limitations of the anointing and I've researched and I've researched and I've researched and I've researched and I've consulted every every resource I could find and I cannot find one limitation to the anointing of Jesus Christ he can do it all hallelujah so that means nothing can hold you back from being who God has created you to be and I close with this, now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory. To Him be glory in the church. Come on, let the church arise in the church. In the church. Come on, stand to your feet. In the church. In the church. Say, by me. Yes, in the church. In the church. Say, here, my God. I'm a covenant keeper, God. I'm going to walk by Your Spirit and walk by Your Word so that Jesus Christ may go to all generations forever and ever. 
Father, we lift up our hands in total surrender to You here this morning and we say, Jesus, Jesus, You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I give my life to You. I'm telling you, if you're here this morning and you've never yielded your life to Jesus, you need to yield your life to Him right now. You need to come under His authority. You need to come under His provision. You need to come under His covenant. You need to come. And how do you come? In and through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe. Come on, you got to believe. You shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, we lift our hands in total surrender. We lift our hands to Your Lordship. We lift our hands and say, Jesus, Jesus, thank You. Thank You for the great covenant. Thank You for the better covenant. And thank You, God, that You're a covenant keeper. And here I am today committing myself to be a covenant keeper. I want to walk with You. I want to talk with You. I want to live with You. And I want to manifest Your glory on earth. I want Your greatness to be manifested. I want Your power to be manifested. I want your forgiveness to be experienced. I want your love to be embraced by everyone that I ever meet. So here, my God, I give myself to you. Would you say that to him today, God? I give myself to you. Jesus, Jesus, I believe you're the son of the living God. And God has raised you from the dead. So I believe, I believe. Maybe you've never confessed that with your mouth. Confess it. Say, God, I believe that you've raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, you're alive. Just say it to it. Jesus, I believe you're alive. Come live in me. I surrender to your Lordship. I surrender my life. I come up out of my ethnos. I come up out of my father's house. I come up out of that bloodline. I come up out of that classifications. I come up out of those limitations. I come out. It doesn't matter if I'm male or female. It doesn't matter if I'm black, white, red, yellow, or purple. It doesn't matter if I'm tall or if I'm short, if I'm stout or if I'm thin. It doesn't matter what color my eyes are. It doesn't matter what color my hair is or even if I have hair. Lord, I have you. I have you, Jesus. Jesus. I'm walking in the covenant. By the Spirit, choose to walk right now. Make that decision in your soulless realm. I'm not listening to what the flesh says or my limitations. I'm listening to what the Spirit says is unlimited glory, unlimited greatness, unlimited power, unlimited miracles, unlimited, unlimited favor. I choose to walk in that. Lord, take me and use me to be a blessing. You said that we would be blessed not to just uh, consume it on ourselves. You said we would be blessed to be a blessing. So Lord God, help me this week. Just make this your prayer. God, help me this week to let your blessing flow through me and bless somebody around me. There's somebody you're going to meet this week. There's somebody you're going to bump into this week. There's somebody you're going to be working with this week. There's somebody you're going to, that God's going to bring them to your mind. I hear the Spirit saying this. He's, he's already planned it out. And he wants you to bless them. He wants you to already be pre-positioned as a man or a woman of covenant. A covenant of blessing. Ready to bless them. The words that you speak, with the way you react, with the way that you embrace them, with whatever God tells you to do. Bless them. And that blessing is going to just smear on them. And they're going to leave with an aroma of heaven on their life that will literally help change their destiny. 
made that commitment, not to me, made that commitment to God right now. God, I'm already committed. I don't know who it is. You do. I'm already committed. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a blessing. Help me be that blessing. Help me see it and not miss it. You can ask him that, Lord. Help me to see it and not miss it. Because I want to honor.